Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Good morning. It's Pastor Julie, and we are in our fourth week of our From Death to Life series on the Seven Deadly Sins. And this morning we're in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 17 to 21. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation, so that it may be conformed to the body of his glory, by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As we begin to look at the deadly sin of gluttony, we can find ourselves faced with a dilemma. It has become ingrained in our society and our minds that gluttony is the sin of overeating. And we have visible proof of that sin when we look at people. If they're overweight, they must be gluttons who eat too much. Because of that, we can find ourselves looking down our noses at the 42% of Americans, slightly more than one in three, who are either overweight or obese. It's got to be a matter of self-control, of making healthy choices. People who are overweight are often judged as weak and lazy. If only they would stop their poor eating habits, get up off the sofa and exercise, their bodies would look more like God intended them to be, slim muscular, shapely, lovely to look at. But when we take a deep look at what gluttony really is, we find that judgment is often wrong. Gluttony has a deeper definition with far-reaching implications and is not always as visible as we think. Can we spend the next 15 minutes or so erasing those ingrained beliefs and trying to hit the reset button on what we believe about gluttony, as well as those among us, including me, that weigh more than the medical society says is ideal. The Bible itself presents us with confusing signals on proper eating. Ecclesiastes 2, 24 to 25 tells us there is nothing better for mortals than to eat and drink and find enjoyment in their toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him who can eat or who can have enjoyment. Enjoying food and drink is a staple of Jewish life as set forth in Levitical law. Every time you turn around, it's time to celebrate another festival, giving thanks to God for his blessings. There's the Passover, giving thanks to God for saving the Israelites from slavery and protecting them from the angel of death. There's the festival of first fruits, thanking God for a successful harvest. The festival of weeks, another 
Harvest Festival, also the Festival of Booze, remembering God's provision while they were in the wilderness, the Festival of Purim, to celebrate God's rescue from the king's edict of destruction, Hanukkah, which celebrates the miracle of the oil that lasted seven days after the rededication of the second temple. Every time there is a celebration, there is feasting, lots of food and drink. Never does the Bible say that during these celebrations they were supposed to limit how much they feasted, to feast in moderation, or only eat healthy food. In fact, only the best, most sumptuous foods were usually called for in celebrations. And that tradition has clearly been carried down throughout the centuries as we have many different celebrations today, and they all revolve around food of some sort. How many birthdays do we celebrate without cake or a special meal? What about Christmas and Easter? If you ask anyone about these celebrations, they all center around food, usually a large meal, and we expect everyone to be stuffed when the meal is over. Yet even in Jesus' day, gluttony was considered a sin. In Luke 7, 34, the Pharisees actually called Jesus a glutton and a drunk. This comes as Jesus is called out for eating with tax collectors and sinners. They are upset that John the Baptist and his disciples follow the law, lawful practice of fasting at certain times, but Jesus and his disciples do not. Jesus frequently spends time eating with people. The Bible shows him eating many times, even if we don't know clearly the quantity of food he eats. He feeds a lot of people, too. Remember the feeding of the 5,000? So eating and food are important to Christ. And didn't he talk a lot in parables about feasts and banquets? We look forward to that great banquet in heaven, don't we? Christ promised. His final act with his disciples was to eat a meal with them, one that would be reenacted by his disciples for all time. And the only time we read about Jesus fasting is in his 40 days in the wilderness after his baptism. He eats nothing for those 40 days, and the very first temptation Satan throws at him is about food. I know you're hungry. Won't you turn these stones into bread and eat? Feasting and fasting the two polar opposites in the eating realm. Were the Pharisees right? Was Jesus a glutton because he loved to eat? Even if he could withstand the temptation to turn stones into bread when he was hungry, the fact that he didn't fast and practice spiritual disciplines like the Pharisees would have been seen as gluttony in his day. But we know Christ was not a glutton. So again, What is gluttony, and what does it have to do with our eating habits? Can we have a love of food and not be a glutton? Is there more to gluttony than food? All good questions. The dictionary definition of gluttony is excessive eating or drinking, as well as greedy or excessive indulgence. Note the word excessive in both definitions. If we're talking about eating, I could remember a movie where a man who is so overweight that he needs a special chair or two to sit when he comes into a restaurant. He orders one of everything on the menu and proceeds to eat it all. He gets sick, but he still keeps eating. That was meant to be a visual picture of gluttony, and it worked. Excessive, with a capital E. But gluttony refers to more than just food and excessive eating. 
to consume anything in excess is by definition gluttony. That can and does include drugs, alcohol, stuff we buy from Amazon, smoking, gambling, pornography, shopping sprees, cars, money spent on collectibles, and excessive energy spent on any particular habit or hobby. Now, it may be hard to think about it this way, but even people who are at their perfect weight or even under can be gluttons. If we spend every waking moment fixated on food, counting calories, weighing ourselves, exercising excessively, taking the right supplements, then we are excessively focused on food and our bodies, which by definition is a form of gluttony. As Paul says in our passage today, their God is their belly, and it can often lead to their downfall and destruction. People who are overweight from gluttony, as well as people who fixate on not eating to get a perfect body can and often do develop severe health problems like heart disease, anorexia, and all can lead to death. Gluttony is not a sin because of what and how much we eat or don't eat, but when we make something made for enjoyment or physical sustenance into the entire focus of our lives, and we do that to the exclusion of everyone else. Gluttony is the twin sister of lust. We desire pleasure in some way, and others become a mean to an end, objects for our enjoyment. Like pride, we stop looking at those around us and live only for momentary gratification. We become blind to the needs of others and are fixated on our own pleasure, not caring one little bit about what ramifications our excessive indulgence has on those around us. In the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16, we hear Jesus telling the tale about a wealthy man who walked by the beggar Lazarus every day and didn't give him anything or even pay attention to him at all. The rich man ends up in hell and Lazarus goes to heaven, carried in the bosom of Father Abraham. The rich man's sin was gluttony, not only because he kept everything for himself and didn't share any of the blessings God had given him with Lazarus, but his wealth also made him blind to his suffering. So the sin of gluttony is twofold, excessive consumption or self-indulgence and allowing that consumption or indulgence to keep us from seeing the suffering and needs of others. Like pride, our gaze is turned upon ourselves and not our fellow human beings. But there's a third aspect of gluttony that we need to address, and that is why we do it. Why do we struggle with overconsumption? Why do we find ourselves compelled to eat or drink too much, to shop and consume too much? How do we get there? Well, let's start with food. We talked about the big signals the Bible sends us about food. Feasting and fasting, both um, required ways to get closer to God, to connect with God, feasting and fasting. What about the mixed signals we get from the world and society? In our bookstores, can you guess what the two biggest sections are? Cooking and diet. The most watched channel is far, by far is Food Network. We are obsessed 
with creating beautiful, mouth-watering food. Go into any restaurant and see the portion sizes. Most every diet book today tells you to immediately cut the portion in half in any restaurant because they are way more than we physically need. But we are programmed to eat a lot. Yet at the same time, we are constantly shown through all sorts of advertising that beauty comes from a thin and shapely or maybe muscular body. Image is everything. So we are told to diet to attain a perfect figure. If we pay attention to the commercials we see during any given TV show, we will see alternating food, restaurant, commercials, mixed with diet commercials in the same show. Looking at alcohol, how many of our favorite TV shows or movies have alcohol consumption as part of normal social behavior? Our idols can handle their wine and liquor, so shouldn't we be drinking like them? Then the next commercial is for rehab clinics to overcome alcohol addiction. And don't get me started with the gambling ads. They don't even get separate commercials. They have the warning and call to get help right on the same ad that's promoting it. So many mixed messages. We normalize all these behaviors and then in the same breath condemn them. Is it any wonder we all struggle with some sort of gluttony at some point in our lives? We celebrate eating sumptuous foods and talk about the best restaurants to eat, but yet when we see someone that we consider overweight, we immediately judge them as gluttons with no self-control. Body shaming is so humiliating and happens so frequently as we point the finger away from our own habits. We know in our hearts that normal body shape can be different for everyone, and that people can have health issues that make them overweight for other reasons than overeating, but we judge them anyway. There are so many functioning alcoholics in our world today. We can turn a blind eye to our own need to drink and refuse to consider we may have an addiction, but we point the finger of shame to someone who admits they have an addiction and tries to get some help. Smoking. Gambling and other addictions have the same double standard. And if we feel somehow that the person involved has no self-control, then of course we have every right to condemn them. But the truth is that we all have something that controls us instead of the other way around, and that is gluttony. For me, it is food. I eat when I'm stressed, and then I suffer the shame of being overweight. And no one feels that shame more than I do. And I believe that's true with most people who recognize their excessive indulgence in whatever form it takes. Wouldn't it be a better world if we stopped judging people based on their appearances or their sins, like Jesus told us, and let God do that job? The truth is that gluttony is a misplaced hunger. It's an effort to feed the soul with the body's food or whatever else we find ourselves consuming. We exchange bodily pleasure, no matter how momentary, for the food that can fill us to overflowing with joy. Jesus told his disciples when they asked him in John 4 if someone had brought him some food, and he said, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And then he goes on to say, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. 
As followers of Christ, we too are called to do the will of him who created us. As we learn to love God and our neighbor as ourselves, we'll discover that we can turn our attention away from those momentary pleasures and let the love of God fill that void that we keep trying to fill with other stuff. We know in Matthew 25 that when Judgment Day arrives, how we shared our resources, how we cared for those in need, how we loved will be what matters. What or how much we consumed will be judged by our concern and love for others. In Matthew 6, Jesus tells us not to be worried about what we will eat or drink, what we will wear, because we can be assured that God knows what we need and will provide it. If we find ourselves fixating on having enough, on hoarding our food and supplies because we might need them in the future, or that we can't share because we might not have enough, then what we're really saying is that we don't trust God to provide, that God doesn't love us enough to make sure we have what we need. When gluttony has us looking for love through the things of the world, through momentary pleasures, that void we keep trying to fill will always be empty. As we grow in our faith and begin to understand the love God has for each of us, we will be able to fill that void with the love of God, finding true love that will replenish and restore our souls. I'm sure that's one reason Jesus gave us a meal, to remember all he has done for us. There's nothing wrong with eating sumptuous foods and celebrating. Jesus calls us to a feast It is a feast of love. If we find ourselves fixated on excessively consuming anything, we can look at the cross. The power of sin was overcome on the cross, and through it we can overcome gluttony in every form. Stop judging by appearances, and that includes judging yourself. We can't know what's going on in someone's heart. We do know that Jesus loves us all, unconditionally, that body, shape, or size, our addictions, our number of shoes and handbags, our weaknesses are not factors for our salvation. Pay attention to those around us and consider how we might share our resources with those in need, loving them as Christ loves us. Let us stop making excuses for our own excessive indulgences and look to Jesus for the ability to consume in moderation to help us all live that joyful, abundant life we were created to live. Then we can be truly satisfied with what we have and overcome gluttony for the good of all as we come to the table of the Lord together and hunger and thirst for righteousness in the name of Jesus. Amen.